The Courage to Lead, episode 162. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Arlen here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having an exceptional week. I'm having a great week and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today. Please help me welcome Kim Hayden. From Kansas to Canada, Kim Hayden has always worked to be a good neighbor and leader. In every endeavor through servant leadership, Kim has repeatedly excelled in several industries. A 22-year award-winning real estate career, TV producer, red carpet, event host, author, producer, and speaker are just a few of Kim's accomplishments. Now bringing a lifetime of experience and work together in the form of the Resilient series, Kim is on a quest to grow audience awareness and expand the stage by working with women to create their multimedia authority content and produce opportunities through agency. Self-proclaimed queen of resilience, Kim Hayden addresses the pain points of confidence credibility, and relevance that many women are challenged by. Um, And sharing Kim's stories and strategies that built a six and seven figure career while overcoming the imposter feeling due to the childhood of disadvantage. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Kim Hayden and the Resilient Series plans to go very, very far. Kim, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I've been looking forward to this. Absolutely. No, this is awesome. And just, I mean, you have so much uh, just media presence and everything you've done and the speaker series you have going on now, a lot of stuff to talk about. I'm excited to get into it. Um, But before we get started, I have 10 questions I like to ask all of my guests. Listeners know these are the questions made famous on the TV show Inside the Actress Studio where the host James Lipton asks these questions of his Hollywood guests from TV, film, and stage. And I always figured, you know, if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. So Kim, if you're ready, I have 10 quick questions for you. Awesome. Let's do this. All right. Question number one, what is your favorite word? My favorite word. Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) I keep getting feedback from my producers and my crew going, we need a, a, a variable number of words because we listen to you and it's awesome. It's awesome. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. And I use that all the time too, so I know exactly what that's like. All right. What is your least favorite word? Um, I would say can't. I would say can't because I don't believe that we can't do anything. I believe that there's a Yeti in everybody. Yet I will. Yet I will. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. I I won't do it. I'll accept. I can't do it. I don't accept that. Absolutely. All right. Question three. What turns you on? What turns me on? Well, aside from my husband, um, (laughs) I think incredible stories. I get so excited when I have the opportunity to speak with somebody who has come from not a silver spoon background or anything. And then they excel to the highest level of education or they've built an incredible business or they're doing incredible philanthropy. I get so excited by meeting those people. Absolutely. Uh, What turns you off? Mean, mean spirited. So unfortunately I've I've shut off. uh, I, I do very little engagement on social media. 
Um, I, I refuse to engage in politics anymore. Um, I, I believe that there is such small mindedness and mean spirits, spiritedness going around. And I think we can all do better. Absolutely. Amen. All right. What sound or noise do you love? Oh, I would say this is going to be really corny. Aside from my 80s alternative music, you know, Sex Pistols and and uh, uh, Depeche Mode and all of those, um, I would say my favorite sound is hearing the noise and clatter and laughing and debating of my children and now grandchildren uh, in my home. Uh, it's such a blessing um, to be able to say that I, I actually have a pretty awesome family. I'm very, very fortunate. Awesome. Very cool. What sound or noise do you hate? Um, oh, nails on chalkboard is an obvious, like the <laughs> screechy ones. Um, but I would say what I really, what really hurts is when I hear, and I hear this, it, I'll go to um, women's uh, networking groups and there'll be one or two that are in a corner whispering about other women and they're not nice whispers. And I would say that whisper is what whispering is what really I dislike. Absolutely. All right. Question seven. What is your favorite curse word? Well, uh, Google would say, or my phone would say it's ducking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Perfect. So, All right. <laughs> um, question eight, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Uh, anthropology. I would, mm. I think anthropology would be, I've always sat here and said, um, if I were to go back to school and get a degree, it would be in anthropology, the study of human beings. I, believe human beings are our world's greatest resource and that one of the most mismanaged resources or untapped resources. Absolutely. Very cool. What profession would you not like to do? Uh, I would say that I probably would not be a good maid because <laughs> I think I need one. <laughs> I don't like scrubbing or cleaning. Oh, and I would say also probably like a CRM manager. Like CRM manager, CRMs. I sit there and look at my CRM and go, what? It's so mind boggling to me. So those, those would be the two. And I think both of them are about being organized and tidy. Okay, <laughs> That's true. Good job. All right. Final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? I would like to just hear well done. Well done. You know, uh, just that, you know, I came from such a traumatic childhood that it really could have gone a very different way. And yet I have been blessed to help with so many different like charities and be part of so many, uh, so many people's journey on success. And, and I think just getting that, I don't need much, just say, you know, well done. It's like from the movie pig. <laughs> or from the, you know, well done, right? Well done, yeah. well done pig. Um, I don't really want the pig part, but <laughs> the well done would be good. <laughs> good job. Excellent. All right. 
We're going to come back. We're going to talk about how you got your start, um, how you got involved in real estate, built your career, and now how you're helping women to overcome uh, some of their their issues and, and build their businesses and their brand. Um, so we'll talk about all of that and more right after this. So listeners, stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And I'm back with my guest, Kim Hayden. Kim, thanks again for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time. And I've been looking forward to this conversation. I really have. So you're originally from the Midwest. I'm from yeah. Wichita, Kansas, originally. Uh, born and bred, went to Blessed Sacrament School for the majority of my early years. Um, on the surface, I was a little blonde, blue-eyed girl that had was the eldest of four girls. I had mom at home doing daycare, and dad would work at the either auto lot or uh, at he worked at DeVry teaching how to do auto body. He was a magician with auto body. Yet the truth of it is my, my father is, uh, he's a, he's a predator. He's, uh, and we ended up going through six years of working with the DA's office in a program called the diversion board. And so, uh, I, I, I live my life very transparently because I could never be transparent as a child. You would go to the confessional booth when I, uh, you know, received my first confirmation and you had to go to the confessional booth. I had to lie to the priest because I knew that nobody wanted to hear what I had to say. And so uh, that is where I'm from. uh, But I am queen of resilience and I do not believe our past defines our future. Absolutely. No, 100%. Yeah, the confessional booth is supposed to be that safety Yeah. Unfortunately, we had a priest that kind of turned on the family and we had to leave the church for a while because they were so uncomfortable that they had allowed my father to be the softball coach and to Mm. be part of the church. And, um, you know, it it was more shame on their side. It wasn't. And they just didn't know how to deal with it because it was such a uncomfortable and such a huge scenario. Like I said, we were part of in the state of Kansas and Wichita, Kansas in the eighties, they brought out a program called the diversion board and the goal with the program admirable as it was. And you got to remember we're this is eighties. This is not, you know, five years ago, me too movement. This is, this is still very real, very like, they're like, Oh, how do we navigate this? This is before, you know, you were even required to call the police department. And, uh, so we ended up in the diversion board and they did their best to navigate, but they took on some of the hardest cases and they were trying to learn it. And the, 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 that program in the form it was in for my sisters and I is no longer, it was disbanded shortly when uh, the, the youngest one turned 18. So, uh, but 
you know, I'm blessed to be here because it also gave me, because I was part of it and I had a group of young women my age, all like 13 to, to 15, who were all coming from that same trauma background. And I really got to see, uh, again, anthropology, the fast, the difference in how each of us engaged and such. And, I, and I'm very blessed to be where I'm at. Um, some of those girls did not make it into yeah. adulthood. And uh, the girl that I roomed with passed away at 36 due to multiple cancers, which they mm-hmm. believe originated from her physical trauma. Um, so, so, you know, it, that's part of the reason why I live my life as big as I am do, because there are so many people who didn't get the opportunity to have a voice. Yeah. And so often you hear people that go through things like that, that like you said, they, they don't escape it. They turn to the dark side, you know, and it perpetuates, it perpetuates. Yeah. We saw that. Uh, what was the movie that um, I want to say Charlize Theron. Was it Charlize Theron that did the movie monster? Yes. Yep. And that is that origin story is aside from that. And the, here's the key factor that I had different than uh, then almost all the girls in the program with me, my mom, my mom, my mom actually, I believe is the reason my sisters and I all escaped this generational. Cause my father was one in a generation. Like he himself was abused and his father before him and his father before him. And we went back to like 1850 and we're seeing all this, this trauma. Oh. We're looking at everything. And my mom, my mom was the one that disrupted it. And I have to say, you know, I, I am, you know, Abraham Lincoln, all that I am and all that I will ever be is due to my angel mother. And it, I, I truly identify with that statement. That's awesome. Yeah. To, to be able to have that, that person that becomes the foundation for you. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. So that was Wichita and I, I am, I'm 53. And so I left at 21. And I'm actually looking at moving back and getting a residence because it took that long for me to heal from all the trauma. So anybody out there who is themselves in this journey and they're, they're finding their voice and they're going, it's, it's okay. It's okay. If it takes 30 years, Sure. it's okay. It's okay. If it takes 10 years, it's okay. If it takes another 10 years from where you are today, but it's always about the journey and about the yeah. constant healing and am i am i perfect in any way shape form oh no oh no but am i am i going yeah you know now's the time now's the time to get loud and to so that maybe somebody who is 38 doesn't have to wait till they're 50 right maybe we can help them at 40 right absolutely yeah the the sooner the better right absolutely Recovery. The thing I appreciate about your story is you talk about victimized, but not being a victim. You're not still in that mindset. It's like, no, 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 that's in the past and I'm dealing with it slowly, but I'm moving on and I'm excelling. (laughs) I mean, your career has been amazing. Now you had some ups and downs along with that too, didn't you? Oh yeah. I, I, at 21, I, um, I was confronted with the fact that I, I needed to leave Wichita and it wasn't because Wichita is a bad place. It's because I needed space to um, 
kind of reinvent myself and that, you know, project it till you reflect it. Right. And I, and I, I didn't want that, you know, Oh, you're Kim McFadden. Oh, mm. you know, I needed to move beyond that. Uh, and even if people weren't saying that I was feeling that. Yeah. So I moved to Vegas. <laughs> Oh, where everybody goes when you got to get a real change. Uh, and I was a single mom. Uh, so I, in the middle of the night, decided I'm going to Vegas after watching an article with my grandparents. I think it was 60 Minutes or 2020 or something like that. And they talked about how Las Vegas had the highest pay range and medical for the, like, the lowest education level. I'm going, sign me up hairdresser from Kansas, I'm coming out, right? So I ended up in Vegas and I ended up, it was it was the first time I'd been on my own two feet. I was had my son with me who was just a toddler. I was working graveyard shift. I was exhausted. Uh, I ended up burned out of an apartment, living in my car. I couch surfed. You do. <laughs> and I met my husband when I was homeless. And he's like, okay, my husband's, you know, well-grounded, nice Canadian boy, and he goes to Vegas, and he'll say, whatever happens in Vegas does not always stay in Vegas. Sometimes <laughs> it follows you home and haunts you for another 27 years. So, <laughs> but, you know, um, Vegas was, was good because it allowed me to meet people, and this is where that real love of human beings, that that like I say, the, the whole study of anthro anthropology of human beings, waiting people, waiting on people from around the world helped open my eyes that we weren't, it wasn't just Kansas anymore. And uh, this really started like, I started my, my uh, understanding of how diverse human beings are actually started in Vegas. Nice. So, yeah, and then I waited on my husband the night I came back from a suspension. <laughs> I got suspended because I was really tired and cranky, and I yelled at one of Steve Wynn's personal guests for the grand opening of Treasure Island. I'm just telling you, Oops. my boss, love my boss, uh, my food and beverage boss said, you know, we were told to, to fire you, but Steve Wynn's blind. He'll never know who you are. So just lie low for three days and come back. I met my husband the night I came back from my suspension and I was cranky and uh, we ended up going out on a date. No, I did not date everybody I waited on, but he, they were so persistent. And I'm like, well, fine, I'll take a free meal. And I made him take me to the one restaurant he hates, which is Olive Garden. So he's always hated the Olive Garden. Uh, so, but I made him take me to the Olive Garden and he'll tell you it was probably the worst date he'd ever been on. Um, and then we went on a second date because he's a man of his word. And he said he'd call me when he came back to town and, and he actually got me on the phone. This is back in 1994. So okay. before cell phones, everybody yeah. having cell phones before email, all that so he calls and I actually answered the phone because I was at home. He did not anticipate me to be at home. Um, so he took me out on a second date and that one wasn't as bad. Third date was a little bit better. By fourth date, we go, it's really expensive to date long distance. I just say we go for it. It's a 52% likelihood we'll end up divorced anyway. So <laughs> I really like you. I think you're kind of cool. And uh, I will tell you what, what, made me decide to like not to not walk away from an incredible opportunity with somebody that I felt was at that time so beyond me um 
came from a, you know, what I perceived to be a stable home environment. Uh, he had a good job. He had great friends. Um, was when he said, you're a diamond in the rough and you'll probably outgrow me by the time you're 30. But I, we could do this. And he goes, and if I could give up everything in the future to fix your past, I would. Wow. Yeah. But I think we could actually have something really good here. So, and we've been together 27 years. That is awesome. He's my that's, best friend. That's special. That, yeah. He is, he is my best friend in the entire, entire world. Very cool. Good job. So, so you're up in Canada now. So now I'm in Canada. I came to Canada with my bleach blonde hair and shiny pantsuit and all my click, click, click nails. And Canadians are not that like that. I was the loudest person in the room every time. Uh, I learned a word, pardon. Um, and I learned that the hard way. I almost got fired from my first job in Canada because the lady was talking and I said, what? And she, <laughs> she hung up and she calls back and talks to my boss. Who is that rude person at the front desk? <laughs> so I learned real fast. Pardon. Sorry. Um, but Canada has been very good to me. Canada has been, I have to say, Canada has been very good. It's a little bit slower pace. Um, it's given me a lot of time to heal. I've had some amazing friends here. Um, I haven't ever had to worry about medical. And that was the big one for me because in the 80s, I, Coach Arlen, you remember the pre-existing conditions and how yeah. insurance oh, companies yeah. could deny you. Absolutely. I was part of the reason I moved to Vegas at 21 was I was bankrupt financially due to medical. Uh, I have a bleeding disorder, so I was inel ineligible to get insurance on my own. Um, wow. And the company, uh, one of the companies I had started working for uh, in Wichita uh, to put me on their insurance policy would have elevated the prices for everyone. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's why the whole union benefits in Vegas really appealed to me. Um, and I've been honestly able to do that to develop all my entrepreneurial skills and grow my business because I haven't had that strain. Right. Um, and I'm so great. I'm so excited to hear that all the changes in the United States around how these, the discriminatory practices of medical insurance yeah. companies and stuff. So, and that is in part, part of the reason why I'm coming back nice. is that it's, 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 I, you know, I don't have to worry as much. Yeah. Uh, there's still a few things to work out, but it's getting better. Definitely. It getting is better. getting better. It's getting, yeah. you know, it's, it's strides. You get United States. There's so many human beings with so many opinions. It's so hard. It's a slow moving machine, but there is progress. I'm, I'm seeing happen. Yeah, absolutely. So when did you first get into real estate? <laughs> when we moved from Toronto to uh, Calgary, I had, um, I, I was at home with, the son that I came with, which my husband adopted, my husband, yeah. my oldest, our, our oldest will say that uh, he was chosen and the other ones just happened. Um, so that's, that's what he lords over his siblings. So uh, my, I, we had a new baby, a 10 month old baby and uh, an eight year old come back to Calgary where my husband's originally from. And I was at home for about 10 months. And this is back <laughs> In 1998, when everybody was sponge painting all the leaves and the floral and everything, and you walked in and my my foyer was a veritable forest. And it was like jungle. And my husband comes home from one of his trips, from one of his business trips. And I was just like, and I said, 
you're going to find the kids on a milk carton if I don't get out of here. I'm telling you, the at-home mom thing is hard. It is hard. I think if somebody is a successful at-home mom, they should have like domestic engineer, PhD, right? They should. There should be some special accreditation. There should be special tax brackets, everything. And it's hard. And I, and I couldn't do it. I'll be honest. It was one job that I, I stood back and I said, um, this is not where my zone of genius is. And uh, so my husband, we're talking, I wanted to open a coffee shop. And he looks at me, infamous words. I think this is going to go on his headstone. Why don't you try real estate? It looks easy. (laughs) (laughs) So so I went into real estate and I will say that I have made it look easy. A lot of people go, how did she do that? Uh, First year out, I got rookie of the year. I was award winning for the, the, you know, all 16 years that I was active in real estate uh, award winning up to the top 1%. So I carry top 1% uh, accreditation and I want everybody to know I did this without a single cold call, no door knocking, no FISBO chasing, and no expired listing. All the things they tell you to do, all the things all they the teach things. you to do. And Come to my webinar what, and learn how to do FISBOs. I know. <laughs> and, and that is why I believe we have an 87% failure rate mm-hmm. for new licensed agents. So. Yep. What, what sets you apart? What what did you do different that other agents didn't do? I love do? community. I do a lot of old school and I positioned myself as almost that, that con- connection within my community. So I literally just started with door hangers, not door knocking, but I always, it wasn't about me. It wasn't about me. It was about the person behind the door. Right. So on my door hangers, I would have a recipe on there. Right. So the recipe was always something crazy, like my mom's crazy jello recipes, like, you know, jello marshmallow salad, you know, and being here in, in Canada, like they're looking at some of this stuff going, who what? is this wing nut? Um, so I'd have these crazy recipes on there. Um, and then I would collaborate with the local businesses saying, I'm going to be hand delivering these. I'm paying for the cost of these. However, I would love to feature you or do a cross collaboration on the other side. How does that sound? So buy a copy, get a copy, uh, you know, uh, stickers for kids when you come in to the, the candy shop or, or the free cookie at the IGA for the little ones. These things are, are value offers. And so what it did was it accelerated me quite quickly within the uh, community to be recognized as a business, not a salesperson. And I was being endorsed by other businesses, right? When you get the local coffee shop on your door hanger offering something, people go, oh, she must know the owner or, oh, they must like her. And that actually moves you beyond, oh, that person makes too much money. They're just working out of the back of their card. I don't see them do anything. I was visible. I was visible. I actually hand delivered for the first three years, all of my door hangers every month. So real estate agents, they always want to know three things, how to get leads, how to stay consistent and what goes on social media. Mm-hmm. And actually 
I created all my own leads, not Zillow. I never paid for leads. I uh, was consistent because every month I had to deliver these door hangers and I would deliver 125 every week. And I had great social media content because I would take pictures of all the cool stuff I saw. Like we would do, oh, this wreath or that wreath. Do you like this door color or that color? Uh, Did you know, great gardenscapes, you know, all these things that, because that were about my community, because the reality is nobody cares about your free home evaluation because (laughs) if they are, if they're smarter than a rock, they have already heard that line. So nobody cares about the free home evaluation. Uh, What they care about is, do they know you? Do they like you? And do they trust you? Mm -hmm. When people trust you, they don't question your commission. They don't question your pricing. They don't question your staging advice. They go, okay, this gal knows what she's doing and she'll be of service. And she will help me get to my goal, right? So too many agents spend a lot of time going, Oh, I'm the best. And I've listed, I've listed, you know, X amount that's save that for your evaluation, right? Save that for your free home evaluation. Um, and this goes for any business. And this is where I think a lot of people are really struggling, especially women, right? People need to know who you are because you don't, you're not, if you speak to everyone, you're speaking to no one. Right. But if you are speaking up, the people who will resonate with you will come to you. And those are the best people to work with. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, this applies to all businesses. So many business websites, uh, clients that I've had, everything on their website is me, 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 me. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, we're same location for a hundred years. My granddaddy started the business. Well, it's none of that matters until they know, like, and trust you. If they know that you understand their problem and you have a solution, now that other stuff comes into play, but you have to make that connection first. And I think that's a perfect way to do it. Give something to them, right? Make it all about them. Well, and volunteering. So volunteering. So when I coach people either in the community expert program, which I is all hands off, take it, do it, whatever you want. Um, It's, it's very low cost. I believe it's really fundamentally the, it, it, to me, it's a no-brainer, but it's inc- it's it's fascinating over the last twenty years how we have become so dependent on our keyboards that we don't actually know how to actually talk to people. So, in the community expert, uh, when I look at that, this is just a very scaled down uh, how to identify your mission statement, your vision statement, how to create your B two B relationships. Um, how to, how to identify your community needs and be the person within your community and how to volunteer. Those are the five keys, I believe. So your sphere of influence, your mission, vision, uh, your business to business relationships and volunteerism is in there. Only 27%, statistically, 27% of North Americans volunteer, which means if you choose to volunteer, you are now ahead of 70% of your competition. And it gives you great social media content. It shows that you're out doing stuff. That is cool. 27%. That's, yeah. And and it is that. (laughs) You know, people will take advantage of programs, but they won't get back. Mm -hmm. 
Hmm. And with our current inflation going on, with food costs escalating, there's going to be more and more demand. So the easiest one to actually volunteer at one day a month, go volunteer at the food bank. Box stuff up. Absolutely. (laughs) The beauty of volunteerism, A, it feeds the soul. They actually have done huge studies around volunteerism, how it helps with your psyche, your personal self-worth, and all these other things. Also opens up other peer relationships of people in other industries that have same value systems. These can become advocates for your business, no matter what your business is. These people can become your advocates. Not everybody has to become a client. They can become an advocate. And I think a lot of people are so desperate for the next deal that they forget that there, there's different buckets you can fill that can then funnel into your personal revenue. Sure. Absolutely. Very cool. So I know you talk a lot about resilience. Yes. That is a huge topic for you. And you've done so much with it. Talk about resilience a little bit. What does that mean for you? For me, resilience is simply that my past does not define my future. And I believe that we have enough garbage in the world floating around that's negativity and counter-resilient that my quest is to really find all these incredible resilient stories and, and document them, get them on video so people know where to go and, and, and listen in. So we've just started uh, our OTT platform. Um, so OTT is over the top. It's, a, it's the, basically Netflix is the OG of OTT. So okay. Netflix was the original <laughs> OTT platform. And OTT is non-traditional broadcast television, basically. So it's still at that broadcast level. It's not on mainstream like YouTube. Um, where the uh, OTT platforms allow creators to own their content versus when it, as soon as you release it on YouTube, there's all that fine print in there. You don't own anything. Right, right. So uh, we've just launched, just launched uh, with the first two six minute episodes for resilient women. And these are women who are business people who are on a journey themselves and just sharing a moment, a true moment of resiliency. One of the women's that spoke is um, she was the uh, original um, uh, motivational speaker for discovery card. And she also though, is a mother of a couple kids. I'm not sure exactly how many, but her one daughter was at the concert that has had the largest mass shooting in the United States in, and was right up by the stage in Las Vegas. Las Vegas. Yeah. Uh And the daughter, um, got down underneath the stage and was able to crawl underneath the stage, right? And to escape. And she talks about this moment of absolute sheer terror and, and, oh my God, and then having to work with her daughter and how this really is a true level of resilience because you can actually go into that, why me, why me? And instead they've moved into the, why not me? So what is wrong with this scenario and what were the things that, that, that helped not only her daughter escape and survive when many around her did not. Uh, but so these are the stories. These are the stories. I, I interviewed a gal um, who's in Atlanta. I get the opportunity to go and visit her in, in a week's time. Um, her, her story is when she was 18, she actually saw the murder of her father. These are not just 
movies of the weeks. These are real people's lives. And I believe that hearing from these truly inspirational voices can counter the garbage we're getting through social media, because uh, no matter what anybody says, you're, uh, I, and you know what, if you get hate mail, just pass it on to me, Harlan. Um, the reality <laughs> is, is I believe social media has done as much good to connect the world as it has done damage to disconnect the world. Absolutely. It's, it's anonymous. You, yes. that keeps that distance. So you can say anything you want to people. You can, you know, be as belligerent or as nasty as you want to be. And you think you're immune from it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what, if you can't own your words, you probably shouldn't say them. Yeah. So that's just my two cents. Love that. No, that's awesome. (laughs) That is awesome. So how do you help women build their business? So I, had a, actually, I had a great conversation yesterday, and, and the more conversations I have, the, the more clarity around, so I can give you very specifics. I'm a producer, and I can look at anybody's business, and I can say, oh, so what is it? Why, why, why? I keep asking the whys. And we take those whys, and we put it into emotions by logic justifies. So we then curate uh cohesive messaging across multimedia platforms. So our OTT channel. So we get you on there so that they then can leverage that six minute video to get more speaking opportunities or to direct their, their, uh, their potential clients to, or anything like that. Uh, we also with right now working on our licensing with Apple, Roku, uh, Amazon and Samsung. Um, what will happen is, is they can then put all of those brands onto their website seen on. So it creates that credibility. Um, Then we move them into a short form co-authored book um, with like women. So we expand their network. So if you've got, you know, 12 women in a book, what happens is each woman knows, you know, has 200 advocates, has 1200 people in her database. But what that does is that compounds into, you know, a thousand outreach or, or, or a million outreach, excuse me, a million outreach. So you can actually take 12 women and remove them from being at, you know, an outreach of 1500 or 2000. And actually it has a compounding effect. Then we move them over into podcasting because podcasting is, we Mm -hmm. know that according to Nielsen studies, um, when people are, are avid podcast listeners, they're listening to four kind of voices a week. They are uh, statistically higher earning level. They are statistically higher education level. And there's, there's a lot of benefits. So these, these women who are in business, they need to have a voice within a, a, it's kind of like LinkedIn to Facebook. LinkedIn is just a different platform. And, and I would say that, that podcasting is, is similar to that kind of LinkedIn type of connection. Also, it gets people to hear their voice. And if we can connect with people, we can determine if we like them, Mm -hmm. right? So if we connect with them, now we get to know them and we determine if we like them. And if we like them, we can learn to trust them. And so that's what we work on. A lot of these women haven't been on podcasts or are really hesitant because they don't like the way they look. They're not sure if they like their voice. They don't, right. it's like, oh, I'm getting old. Aren't we all? Oh, what a blessing. Or you know how lucky you are to get old because exactly. the alternative sucks. Yes. Um, 
and then we move into a virtual stage and we do a virtual stage where they can then uh, give their talk. We record all of this and we create a sizzle reel. So now they have a six minute, they have a 90 second. They have a book, which we actually show them how they can take that book and put it in the front of funnel or client outreach or re-engagement. Everything is geared. So their message is clear and concise across all platforms and they get it out there. My job is to get them really comfortable with being in front of the camera and comfortable with, I'm not here to design their stories. There are great coaches for that. There are awesome coaches out there who will help get their story, write their, their speech, um, coach them to the point where they really see the value within their story. That's, that's, I'm basically a handoff. I'm the production studio for coaches who have gotten their clients or gotten themselves to the next level where they want to go big stage. They want big big presence. Yeah. And you say you, you give them that, that larger stage presence. What it's not just the physical stage, correct? but it's right. The mental stage too, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Learning to love their voice, their, their presentation, their physical, you know, this is, this is who I am. Okay. I know. Cause my doctor tells me every time I come in, I need to lose 30 pounds. So should I wait to lose the 30 pounds before I come and talk or should I just come and talk? And at some point in time, maybe I'll lose that 30 pounds, you know, at the real, the reality is nobody's, I don't, think my message has any difference if I'm clocking 200 or 150. So the reality is, is I've got to get out there and get my message out there. Sure. Right. Uh, and, and that goes for every other person. Don't wait for your hair to grow back. Don't wait for your skin to clear up. Don't wait for, you know, we put all these things. Don't wait till you go back to school and get a degree. Don't wait, like right. quit waiting. Yeah. We're like treats. When's the best time to plant a tree today? 10 years ago, if you want to send years them the ago. shade. <laughs> now, you today, send the right? shade. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you yeah. got it. It's just taking action. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I heard you on another podcast talk about your business bullseye, right? The yes. money authority, awareness and messaging. Absolutely. So the reality is, is um, I hear a lot of women. And I actually just heard this the other day. Oh, I'm so passionate about what I do and I want to be authentic. And um, I would do this even if I wasn't getting paid. And it's like, <laughs> what part of I authentic and asking for your, your, your true worth? Why is, why can you only pick one? Asking to be paid has no variance whatsoever on whether or not you're being authentic. Right. And I think this that maybe comes back to the, like the, the, the mindset of like the sham wow guy or the onlines. We think that, you know, if we ask for money, it, right. it devalues the message. Um, the reality is, is what is your job? Your job is to make money. How do you make money? This is how I make money. Mm-hmm. What is the, so how I do it. And then, you know, creating that authority so people can find me and, and just going through all of that and ensuring that, that, and and this is really prevalent for women. I see this more so in women and and it's reflected in, in the national statistics of the average uh, female entrepreneur makes 46,000 a year. And, you know, we're, we're getting our businesses like business license. We're creative. We're doing all this. 
and think how much more authentic you could be yeah. if you made a lot of money. Right. Because then you could do the philanthropy that you want to do. You could do the outreaches you want to do. You could be even bigger in your authenticity. But what, what holds them back? The, is it the, the money mindset? Are they looking at what they think their value is rather than what the value they're giving to their, their I customers? think a lot of it's the imposter syndrome. We right. are, you know, ladies are not loud. Ladies sit at a certain way. Ladies present themselves a certain way. And we view business as being aggressive and, and so forth and so on. And as soon as we can move past the, uh, you know, the Sunday morning performance at, on the church pew, you know, sitting up nice and straight, being quiet, right? Uh, move, as soon as we can move past that, it's amazing how quickly we can we can generate revenue. But I, I do believe that imposter syndrome, that that fear that we're not good enough or we're not living, you know, authentically within what we're offering, um, that we're not there a hundred percent of the time. Well, ladies, you are never going to be what you project 100% of the time. Cause we all have bad days. Um, it's, are you getting back up? Are you doing it again? Are you making strides? Yeah. That is the importance here. Um, I, I do think that traditional, traditionally, we have some uh, disconnects uh, last year. Was it last year's? I think it's last year's stats. From, I think it was 2021. Uh, less than 3% of traditional bank loans went to small business startups led by women. Mm. And if you're a visible minority, it was less than 1% of the United States. And I do oh. think that that has an impact to it also, because sure. we don't know how to go out and ask for, for money. And you know, you're a business person. I'm a business person. You can only go so long so far without having that cash influx mm -hmm. to start going next level. Okay. And that's why I think a lot of women sit at that 46,000 years. They don't a know how to get investment. They don't know what else they could sell. They don't know how to get the audience that they need. They are afraid to speak publicly. They like, it's so many things that I think it, a lot of it just comes back to that confidence. So confidence, mm -hmm. credibility, and relevancy is my message relevant. They sit there and they question it. Well, I'm here to say that I, there is no woman out there that I've talked to who is so unique that her message is not being thought or felt by dozens of others. Sure. And yet every woman I've met is unique within her message and delivery, which means that there are others that need that and that there will be people who mm -hmm. will resonate specifically with her. You don't need tens of thousands of people. No. The truth of the matter is on a podcast, if you have to have 1,200 people actively advocating for your podcast, that's, yeah. all, you need. that's yeah. all you need. It puts you in the top 10%. It puts Absolutely. you in the top 10% of podcasts globally. So I think a lot of people sit here and they go, well, I'm not that big, or I don't know how to do this. They're not asking the right questions. Uh, not enough people know me. You know, it, it's like, I would tell my clients for real estate. I only need one person to buy your house. I don't need 500 people coming right. through. I need one. Yeah. Right. And so as, as entrepreneurs and coaches and speakers, you just need your core. Sure. You need your core. And, but you can't get that core because they're scattered. They're all over, yeah. right? You well, can't yeah, get it, that core if you're not out there. You can't be everything to everybody, right? There's 7 billion people in the world, right? 
But like you said, somewhere, somebody needs your genius. Absolutely. But you have to get it out there to connect with that person, right? Absolutely. And the world is bloody noisy. Mm -hmm. So here's the reality. Get to write a book. Everybody, if you want to be, if you want to be seen as an expert, you've got to do your own book and uh, you need to be in at least one other collaborative space a year. You got to keep that Amazon author central going. You then need to get into speaking. And if you're not at a paid speaking level, which I'm not necessarily at a paid speaking level, I do a lot of my speaking for free. I'm going to be fully transparent here. I do a lot of my speaking for free with the opportunity to sell my program. Sure. Um, uh, and I, I, and, and then, you know, different places I like, I will absolutely give my time. Um, I would love to be at a point where in a year's time, I'm saying I'm, I'm $10,000 to have me on stage. Um, sure. But, you know, you got to get out there somewhere. And but that's a good point that you, if it's not a paid gig, then make the trade-off. As yeah, long as you've I can got sell, it. If, as if long you're, as I can... Exactly. As long as you have something to sell and you're doing it and there's different ways to sell from stage and you mm-hmm. can do it without feeling sticky and tacky. Because if you truly believe in what you're offering and you're of service, then why wouldn't you share something that could help somebody? Absolutely. We all give unwanted advice all the time about other people's children, other people's dietary intake. Why, if you have something that could help somebody's world, you feel like it's less of a value if you're asking for money. It should be more of a value. Sure. Well, and I know a lot of people that they they base their pricing on an hourly rate that they think they're worth this hourly amount. It's like, but you're not, that, that customer, that client is not buying an hour of your time. They're buying the 30 years of experience you bring to that moment. Absolutely. They're buying you. Direct Sellers Magazine back in 2010, I believe, or 2008 had did a study of a thousand people who had purchased something from a direct seller. So this is like Amway. These are all, you know, these type of things. And they did this study. They did this poll out of the thousand people, 80% could not remember what they bought, but they all remembered who they bought from. Yeah. That's awesome. So, <laughs> I know. I love statistics I, are fun. <laughs> I, you know what? I have to say that uh, these are my, my jam. I love uh, useless or sometimes useful trivia. I, I am like when I'm having a hot flash at 3am, not that you wanted to know that Kurt Tarlin, but I'm looking up, I'm sitting there going, you know, what is the statistic of, you know, and I'll just start doing that. Sure. Right. So it's like, I'm just curious. And you know, you got to stay curious if you're, if you're going to continue to grow, that's for sure. Absolutely. Or curiosity killed the cat. I'm yeah. not sure which one I am right now. <laughs> that's awesome. So uh, talking about courage, because a lot of the stuff we talk about and, and how you help the women and the people that you work with is all about courage. Where did you yeah. find the courage to get past everything in your past to walk away from the, the nine to five to focus on your zone of genius and, and build your success? Where did that courage come from? I would say early life, the courage came from my mom. You know, my mom would tell me that she actually said, you're my hero. My mom has like been that. 
I would say I've gotten a lot of courage from my husband and my children. As I said, I, I'm so blessed, so incredibly blessed for my family. Um, and I would say that my courage today comes from knowing that, and, and, and just so I'm going to be fully transparent, we have literally walked away. We're doing very little real estate right now. And we have walked away from a quarter of a million income mm. to start this entire new company. And wow. that is scary. Yeah. But why not me? And that's, I Very think, cool. where my courage comes from is I've always had the why not me. Even for childhood, people will say, oh, you know, I had this and this happened, but not as bad as you. Or, oh, I'm so sorry you went through all that. And I'm sitting here going, I'm not because here's the statistical reality is that 25% of all women reported will have had a very parallel childhood. Mm. So that means I alleviated somebody else. Like I, I took on that statistic. So somebody else didn't have to do it because I'm strong enough to move through it. And so I look at what I'm doing now. And I see the statistic of less than 3% of traditional bank loans. I see the statistic of uh, less than 36% of our paid stages are female speakers. I see the statistic of an average income of $46,000 a year for women entrepreneurs. And I see the fact that women, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. And if we don't get that hand solid and stable and, and filled with accomplishment and joy, we cannot expect the next generation to be any better. So that is why I'm doing what I'm doing. I, I know that if I have an opportunity to ch help change the trajectory, which I have done of one person's life, it is generationally deep because mm -hmm. then their children and their children and their children, and what a gift. What a gift, right? I like this is Kim from Kansas from a craptastic childhood, you know, dropped out of high school. I've, I've done all these crazy things and I get the opportunity to showcase amazing women who just need that little bit of encouragement. And if I can give them what my mother and my husband and, and my children give me and help nice. them get all those assets in place so that they with confidence and say, I'll speak at your event. Here's my reel. I would love to work with you. Here's my book. If I can help them with that, then that's, I know that I've, I've, I've truly served my space in this world. That's awesome. Perfectly, perfectly said. Love it. Love it. So how many people do you have working for you? You can't be doing all this alone. You're everywhere doing well, things. I am blessed Again, I use that word a lot. I'm I'm honored with the fact that my middle child does work with me, and he's I can't call him child because he's a six foot four man. Um, <laughs> he has a company called In House Productions, okay. so he is like the technical advisor on all of this. And so when we do live virtual events, um, or if I'm going to an event like I'm going in Atlanta, he actually will fly in, ensure that all the technical stuff is taken care of. My husband is. Like I said, he's pulled back. We have both pulled back from real estate and he's 100% in on this. He believes that there's something far bigger here. 
And like I said, he's been my hero when I was 24 and I needed that, that, that knight in shining armor to, to protect me and help me heal and sleep again and, and grow. But now he's doing that because he's, he truly believes he's watched what I've done throughout my life that we can step in and help women. We can actually change the way this world moves and this world engages uh, I do have a an assistant who does uh, what we call our, um, we are currently working on a proprietary system for podcasting, which will actually move all the way from the booking all the way through to the end product of your blog and such. And it's, it's a 16 bucket movement. And right now it's all being done manually. I hope that wow. eventually we'll have an app for that to simplify podcasters' lives. Uh, but so I have... I have somebody that works on my podcast for me uh, and on my social media. So I don't have to engage uh, between her and my husband. Uh, they man a lot of my social media. My, my number one um, recommendation to women is if you get anxiety around what somebody will say to you through your social media, hire an interface mm-hmm. and, and, don't because you can't fix stupid and there are stupid people everywhere and somebody's going to get mean to you. Somebody's going to say something. I, I chose to get vaccinated, not for political reasons, but for travel reasons and travel mm-hmm. options. That was my choice. Uh, when I got vaccinated, I had quite a few people come out and say, Oh, you're buying a big line. It's like, uh, you can sit right here in Calgary. I'm going to Phoenix. I'm going to go to London. I am going to travel. And mm-hmm. I am not here to change the world's laws and regulations on the requirements of entry. I am here to do the one thing I can do. And this is to help elevate women's voices so they can make more money. And so if you need an interface, ladies, (laughs) get an interface. I have thin skin, my feelings get hurt and I put that in place. So right now I have four people working for me full time, (laughs) four people working for me. I would say, my husband, my poor husband, but <laughs> you know what, Harlan, my husband is awesome. And I just look at like the crazy he puts up with and, uh, and he's just like right in there, like, you know, you know, <laughs> so yeah. So I only have four. We are in the process of, uh, we have a, uh, a financial injection coming here shortly. And from there we'll scale up to probably about eight people on our team. Um, and then the goal is, like I said, we're working on that app. So that hopefully will alleviate a lot of the time and help others out too. Excellent. A lot going on, a lot going on. Always. That, is, that is great. Kim, thank you so much for taking time out to, uh, to chat with us. If people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? What's your website? Website is you can go to resilientseries.com or resilientnewmedia.com. Okay. Our TV channel is uh, resilienttv.com. Um, I have, oh, for anybody who would like, uh, I have a gift called the resilientgift.com. And this is a free membership, totally free, does not ask for your credit card or anything. And in that we have a monthly magazine, the resilient magazine, where we have everything from, you know, stuff on my store being like coupons and uh, recipes to incredible stories from these women. So uh, all in that, all in that magazine. So, and hello, hello at (laughs) resilientseries.com. If you just want to email me. 
Good job. I will have all of those links in the show notes. And the the magazine, the online is that's available to men too. It's not just for women. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And actually that we're, we were just interviewing and working with a uh, producer that does really awesome podcast or uh, LinkedIn lives and um, looking at, cause we need a male counterpart. I'm looking at a male, male counterpart with resilient TV. So yes. we can have, you know, uh, these men who are, uh, really leading the way in change, even for themselves, because, you know, it's not easy for anybody out there. And, uh, I just tackle the female thing. Cause that's what I know, but yeah. So yes, men, men are welcome to absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Cool. All right. Excellent. Kim, I will have all those links in the show notes and uh, hopefully people will, will reach out to you. And again, thanks for, for being on the show. My pleasure. All right. Listeners, hope you guys are taking a lot of notes, a lot of good information here, a lot of good takeaways. Definitely check out the show notes and the links to the websites and everything and get in touch with Kim and uh, yeah, be resilient. Awesome. All right. Uh, share this episode with your family, friends, and colleagues and stick around because there's always more coming. That's it for me, Coach Harlan, saying so long for now.